0: Hey guys, this is just a little bit of an intro for the episode, just to give a disclaimer. I talk about this in the main part of the episode, but um, this is the first time I did a remote. I had a remote guest on, so we recorded not in the same space. We did it over the internet. Um, and so, yeah, if there's a little bit of a lag, I don't think there is, but if there is, it's because of that. Um, the, Drop off in sound quality. It's, it's because I mistakenly used a terrible mic. I didn't realize that the quality was this bad until I listened to the episode after the fact. Um, so I just wanted to apologize for the quality here. Um, but rest assured, I, I will not be using that mic anymore. And the song, the sound quality should improve. But yeah, for the next few guests uh, while we are practicing social, distancing for COVID-19. Um, I will be doing these remote episodes. So yeah, the videos might or might not be available. Um, yeah, I'm just kind of going with it for now, trying to figure things out as, as we go. So, um, just asking for a little bit of patience and a little bit of understanding, um, if quality isn't good, if schedules, if I don't, uh, always hit my schedule right um, releasing on Saturdays, things like that. Please just bear with me for a little bit. And yeah, I hope everyone is being safe and is healthy. All right, well, on to the episode. Hey, guys, welcome to the I Hope They Hear This podcast. And today I hope people curious about school counseling hear this. Hey guys, welcome to the I Hope to Hear This podcast, and uh, this is kind of unprecedented in times, so we are kind of going through some transitions as well. Um, This particular guest, we were actually scheduled to record in person, but uh, since the whole outbreak of the COVID-19 um, thing, we are doing this virtually. This is my first time recording with a guest uh, uh, online like this, so... Thank you so much for being flexible, uh, and welcome to the podcast, Diana Doe.
1: Thank you. I'm so honored <laughs> to be recording with you.
0: <laughs> I am very honored that you're on. Um, so yeah, we were we were just talking a little bit before the the podcast started, and it's it's kind of crazy out there, huh? With with all it's... the different changes that we're making and all that.
1: Yeah, it's definitely been. Um, pretty hectic. I think just, I mean, even with like work, I think there's just been so many emails coming out um, at different times with a different mm-hmm. plan um, because, yeah, this is just very uncharted territory. So I think everyone's just having having to come up with different ways to, um, yeah, go on with everyday life.
0: Yeah, you, you were mentioning how you were, your small group attempted a video conference to to do small small group kind of remotely and and kind of the difficulties with that right
1: yeah we were um doing a video call and then we even had to because so like no one after we asked someone asked a question um you know even like there would be a there it would be quiet and Mm. then everyone would start talking at the same time. (laughs) So we even had to say, okay, Diana's going to answer first. So-and-so will answer second. And, and I just, I don't know. I, I realized how, um, you know, like we talk about communication, it's not just verbal. Right. And so just like, missing the not having those like cues necessarily of like who's about to answer like are they done Mm. um it was really challenging but um yeah still really good
0: yeah and i think it this it's times like these that help us that remind us how important body language is in in communication because yeah it's like those cues you were talking about they're all visual cues right you kind of make eye contact with someone and you kind of subtly assign someone as the first speaker in, in those kind of group settings but with with the absence of that yeah that's you can't help but kind of talk all at the same time and get you know stumbled by each other
1: yeah and even like as someone sharing you know i i was nodding and like agreeing oh, with right, this, but, right and when we cuz we switched over to just a regular conference call uh-huh. um and you know I was like why am I doing this? This person can't even see that I'm nodding. <laughs> but um I found myself still doing that and right. so it's yeah, it's really interesting. Oh
0: man. Yeah. And and so um to to get into the kind of bulk of what we're going to talk about today, you mentioned that you were getting a lot of work emails earlier. Um can you yeah. kind of explain to us and describe to us what it is that you do cuz I think it's it's very interesting and also it's something that is very underrepresented um, in the well I think it's underrepresented in the Asian American community Mm
1: -hmm.
0: yeah so if you don't mind kind of just explain to us what it is that you do and what your kind of daily life or daily work life looks like
1: yeah so I am a school counselor Um, I work in the high school setting And so, um, it honestly looks very different depending on, um, what level you're at. Mm. Um, because obviously for high school, there is going to be, um, a greater deal of paperwork and obviously, you know, with working with seniors, um, a lot more, I guess, deadlines for specific students. And so, um, Yeah, really, honestly, okay, the daily schedule, it really looks different. Um, There are definitely things that as a department and as a school, we plan. So typically, um, this time now, spring, um, we start planning for the following year. And Mm -hmm. so there are certain things that we do plan and um, we have to do. So, um, things like classroom lessons, we have to hit every grade level and we hit different topics. Um, Mm. they really range from, you know, just the general like basics. So like, what are the graduation requirements for you? What, what even is a GPA? Like, how is that calculated? Why is that important for you? And then, um, and then it ranges from, we do um, something called lifelines and teen lures. So that's um, suicide prevention. Um, And we also do a lot in terms of um, abuse. And so we actually have to do, we're mandated to do those lessons. And so those kinds of things, obviously, like we plan in the calendar and mm-hmm. those dates are pretty set um, because we have to work with the teachers and um, going to their classrooms. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, we do obviously, or um, well, not obviously, I'm sorry, not many people <laughs> might know. So uh-huh. um, yeah, it's, and then we also do group counseling. And so we'll look at the data, we'll kind of see, you know, which, which uh, targeted students might benefit from group counseling Um, but again like a lot of these things we plan right but then in the daily I mean kids are um, coming to us teachers are coming to us if there's a crisis um, and a crisis for us in the school is defined by either some sort of abuse that a Mm -hmm. child has made an outcry about um, Mm -hmm. or um, thoughts of harming Um, themselves or others um, those things are kind of what we call as uh, crises and so Uh. those things just kind of come up you know like it can a lot of times it's it's just even in like classroom assignments like teachers will be like hey the student wrote this in their essay like could you check in with them so it's wow. very different, depending on the day.
0: right. So yeah. um, kind of the two broad uh, I guess tracks that i've I heard you kind of you saying that you handle is, so you kind of keep track of whether or not a student is uh, on track to graduating, right? So yes, you you do kind of have to deal with some academic parts of their school life but another big chunk is kind of the mental and emotional health do you do you kind of track that as well
1: yes definitely at the end of the day um I think um you know at the end of the day school counselors we do want to advocate because even in our school building I think Mm -hmm. sometimes um there are those in the building who really do value us and then I think there are there still is a perception that like oh like school counselors don't do anything Mm. and so at the end of the day we have to um communicate through data that what we are doing is actually um helping in terms of numbers right so Mm. how students are performing on district assessments um how we help with graduation rate um and things like that and Mm. so Yes, it's, but high school, I will say it is, yes, a lot more of like to, you know, making sure that students are in the classes that they need to graduate. Um, and it is, yeah, definitely a, a larger focus on that.
0: I see. So how many in a given high school, let's say the high school that you're at right now, mm-hmm. how many counselors are, are there usually?
1: Um, yeah, that's a good question. So again, I mean, it it depends on the size of the school. Mm -hmm. Um, so where I'm currently at, it's a brand new school that just opened up. Um, and we are actually a specialty school. And so our, um, our total student enrollment is right under 600. It's about 590. And so currently we have two school counselors in the building. Um, I was at another school um, last year and we had about 32 to 3,300 students and our counseling team was um, eight and a half. So half wow. because she was part-time, one was part-time. Mm-hmm. So typically, yeah, it, it uh, it's, I think what I've seen typically it's in high school, it's six to eight um and then my school is I mean, a lot of the specialty schools are um two to three
0: so just kind of talk focusing on the numbers you were talking about it sounds like any given counselor on average needs to keep track of say two to three hundred students is
1: yes. that right so how is that even- sometimes it's more it's <laughs> uh-huh. and and i will say you know, high school, obviously we, we do have more counselors, but like elementary, mm. even with like 1,500 students, there's sometimes only two counselors. Some elementary schools only have one. Wow. Um, and so it, it really comes to, at the end of the day, it's however the principal wants to allocate, they call it points. Mm-hmm. So, like, yeah, so if um, they could either hire another counselor or they could hire, like, another teacher or, you know, so, um, but yeah, it's, it, it is usually, like, three to four to, yeah, 500.
0: Just to how come. How is that possible? Is it, is it physically possible <laughs> for you to keep track of that many kids?
1: So, honestly, no, the answer is no, there's mm-hmm. no way that... Um, I can know everything that's going on with my entire caseload of students because Mm -hmm. um, even in a high school, like, so for example, the school that I was at last year, um, you know, you'll hear me talking about caseloads. And so um, each school obviously does it differently, but like at my school previously, we had um, two counselors who shared ninth grade only. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, they had, 500 plus students um, a piece and so I, I it's I mean no it's it's really impossible um,
0: so then yeah. do you guys ha- end up just kind of having to pick out the ones that are kind of in danger so for the academic side you just kind of focus in on the students that might be in danger of not graduating and on the kind of emotional health side you pick out the special cases where they you know give warning signs as to maybe suicidal thoughts or self-harm and things like do you kind of have to focus in on just the danger signs?
1: So yes. And um in high school mm-hmm. so we are required like we have to have um like a senior meeting with every single senior individually. And so obviously we're, we're gonna, we're gonna know our seniors best, right? Because they're the ones who are about to graduate. We need to make sure they're good. Mm. Um, you know, if a sophomore fails a course, you know, they have time to recover that credit, but with a senior, they will not graduate. And so, um, yeah, I, I'd say, you know, I spend most of my individual time with, um, my seniors um but I think ninth grade so 11th and 12th grade I will say is a lot more academic mm. um and then ninth and tenth grade is a lot more social emotional um, especially ninth grade and so we definitely have those students that like are literally in our office probably daily or every other day um and so yes I I think are My attention goes to um, specific groups of students, gotcha. not all e- equally, yeah.
0: Right. I have a question. So um, it's funny. The, prior to this episode, my uh, previous episode, I actually talked about how as a <laughs> senior, I failed three AP classes my second semester. Yeah. Um, but I... I literally never met my high school counselor in my life
1: that's did, crazy To did me. someone
0: drop the ball or was <laughs> it, what happened there
1: wow you, that's so crazy to me um I don't okay so I will say this too though I think so school counseling they're they're depending on there's, there's just a lot of things that come into play. So mm-hmm. I'd say it depends first um, what county you're in because mm-hmm. I was, so for me, I'm in Gwinnett County and we have like a county office that's only like they're devoted to all school counselors in the county. And so um, obviously we have things that we have to do through, you know, what the Georgia Department of Ed says, um, but then we also have like county things that we have to do. So mm-hmm. in terms of like when I said that, you know, we have to meet with every single student, uh, every single senior. I'm sorry, individually. Mm-hmm. That's a county policy that they've given us. Were you I in see. Gwinnett?
0: No, I, I was a Fulton.
1: Oh, Okay, okay, I got. The but answer, I mean, so this okay. was like 15 but, years ago too. Okay, yes, so, yeah. so yeah, definitely. <laughs> It evolved a lot. Mm. And so um, I don't know. That's surprising to me, though, still yeah. to hear that.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm sure, uh, who knows? Maybe I'm one of the reasons why counselors started saying, oh, we need to meet with every one of them. <laughs>
1: um, but that's the thing. That's so interesting because, yeah, even my friends, they're like, mm-hmm. man, I, I never met with my school counselor. And me too, when I was in high school. I was scared of my counselor and I never, I never went into her office. Like I didn't even know what her office looked like. I don't remember her coming into my classrooms. I remember she did like one, like ambassador program and I was a part of it, but that's really the only interaction I had with her. Wow. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, I, yeah, I, I, I think the stigma when I was in high school, at least, was you only really needed to go to the counselor if you were in trouble academically Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. something like mentally was happening or Mm -hmm. something Mm -hmm. at home was happening that wasn't right. Would you say that that's still kind of stigma still exists or is it completely different now?
1: Um, I definitely say it still exists. Um, mm. I have students that I will call down to my office. Um, and it could just be like about anything, but the, especially when I'm meeting a student for the first time, their face tell, like it already tells me that um, they think they're in mm. trouble. <laughs> mm, and right. um, so we try to do a really good job of making clear boundaries. So counselors will not um and again this is dependent on the school you're at but it's really important to us that we are not involved in anything to do with discipline so we don't write Hmm. referrals we don't meet with students if it's something um unless like there was like a social emotional component component to like what happened we'll only talk to them about that but we're not the people to give them consequences, because we don't ever want a student to um, feel like they're going to get in trouble for something that they say. Um, mm. We don't, we, we want to create a safe space for students. And um, it's really hard to do that when they, asso- if they associate us with getting in trouble. Right. And so, but But yeah, so like, I still have those conversations with students like, hey, you're not in trouble. <laughs> and mm. I say, like, I don't, I, I don't have any discipline referrals, I can't even write you one, even if I wanted to. And so, mm. um, yeah, definitely, there still is that stigma.
0: Mm. Wow. So, and I know you talked a little bit about how you meet your seniors as an requirement, as a requirement, right, but uh, more on the academic side, but for the ninth creators that come to you daily or every other day what what kind of issues are they going through um, mm-hmm. you, I mean of course divulge as much as you can but uh, like what possible issue is there to require a counselor every day <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think I think there are those students though who try to like manipulate for sure and oh, so, okay. we'll try to, like, send them back really mm-hmm. quickly. Um, but, yeah, it ranges from, okay, it ranges from issues with friends. Um, I think mm. ever since the use of social media, it's just gotten, it, it's just heightened in every way. Um, right. Because, even if they, two students have never had a conversation with one another in person, um, you know, it happened through Snapchat, like, you know, whatever. And so it really ranges from, um, yeah, like things like that. We do a lot of peer mediations. um, And then, yeah, things with um, family, um, you know, family deaths, Um, Uh, people who, you know, family members who are, you know, in the hospital, um, just like even things like having a hard time communicating with parents, um, you know, when they feel like this is what they want to do, but then parents want them to do, you know, something else. just really like a lot of things and, and yeah. some students too, they're just like, I, I like identity stuff. Like, I don't know who I am and what uh, I want to do with my life. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. And then also um, just to give you some background, my school, we are a minority majority school so actually 90 oh. yeah 96 percent of my school are um, students who are minorities and so um you oh, know wow yeah it's 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 very interesting um yeah and, and so some of our students um you know with their status and like being undocumented Um, I think that brings another stressor especially for you know upperclassmen who are thinking about their post-secondary options and even students who have family members who are um, facing deportation Um, and so yeah
0: oh wow so when you talked about mediating students so is this something that could happen? Let's say that a student sees on social media that a different student said something kind of mean toward them. And if that student were to approach you and say, I'm upset because you know, student B posted on social media that I was you know, ugly or something, then is it your job to bring student B in as well to have them kind of talk it out? Or like, what do you do in that situation?
1: Yeah, I think it depends. Um, okay. If it's if it's something that, because there are students who, who are such like frequent flyers in our office that they'll they <laughs> huh. will themselves request a peer mediation,
0: um, because um... like they've
1: done it before. But like in those situations, I would rather work on some coping strategies with the student individually but like if it's it's someone who so usually peer mediations occur when um like two students they were friends for example Mm -hmm. and they want to you know they express that they the person continues wants to continue a relationship with this person and they just Mm -hmm. need someone to kind of be there in terms of helping them navigate that conversation um Mm. but if it's someone if it's a student who's like I really I don't even know this person like I I was never friends with this person and they don't really want a friendship with this person um then we just kind of drop it and I just kind of like I just tell them like you know these are some things that you these are some strategies that you can do and usually it's just. It's really simple. It's just ignoring, don't respond. And they're, and mm. yeah, it's usually okay. But peer mediations are more for if they want to continue, you know, a relationship with one another after this.
0: That, that is so interesting. Wow. So in cases where a student is, as you described them, a frequent flyer, and they already know that mediation is a thing, they're usually the ones that request it.
1: Yes, they'll be like, Doe, can we just can we have a peer mediation?" <laughs>
0: <laughs> wow! And but in any other case, though, you have to be the one to say, "You know, I think it's a good idea for you guys to talk with." Or does that happen a lot? Do you recommend peer
1: mediation often? Um, it doesn't happen a lot, um, mm-hmm. but. Yes. So I will just ask them, you know, what are your thoughts on just talking it out with the student? And usually they'll be like, yeah, yeah, we can do that. Um, and Mm. I, I make sure like it's something that they want to do. Um, and when they're both, you know, in their room, we set some ground rules. Mm. Um, you know, one, obviously just like really basic, like one person's talking at a time. um, And a lot of times they'll start talking to me, but I make them talk to one another. Um, And really it's all about like, like helping students see the other person's side, you know, like Mm. just saying like, Hey, like when you said that about David, could you see maybe how that hurt his feelings you know like how would you have right. felt if you know diana said that about you and usually they end peacefully
0: mm. yeah do, do they ever really like fight in front of you have you had to physically break up a fight
1: in peer mediations, well i guess in general no i i have never had to do that they'll like yell okay but they uh-huh. won't ever get physical with each other. Huh, interesting. Yeah. Thank God. Yeah. <laughs> that would be so yeah. scary. <laughs>
0: yeah. So um, you mentioned uh, earlier, uh, something I wanted to ask you about was some of the crisis situations that you help students deal with.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so would, would what's going on right now be classified as a crisis? Like, because it's a pretty unprecedented thing that we're going through right now, right?
1: Yes. Wait, can you add, but, say that again? I'm sorry, the beginning. Yeah, here.
0: yeah. So COVID-19, yes. the outbreak right now, do you feel like when you get to go back to work, whenever that may be, that there will be students kind of trying to deal with the reality of that, that you, would have, you will have to talk to? Like, do you think this is one of those crisis situations?
1: I'm not sure, but Mm -hmm. I do know that there are um, spikes in the times of year that um, crisis situations occur in the school building. Mm -hmm. And it's usually when we come back from long breaks. So Mm. usually in you know, after summer, right in the beginning of the school year, um, that's when most of the outcries will happen in terms of, you know, suicidal ideations um, or abuse. And so um, I am, I don't know, I I do feel a little bit of like anticipation for what Mm. will happen when we get back into the school building. Um, Because yeah, we have two weeks off. And then right after that, it's or two weeks of digital learning days and then spring break. And so, like, I wouldn't have seen my students for three weeks. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit anxious about what it will look like when we're all back in the school building.
0: Hmm. So, Gwinnett, you guys haven't called off the entire semester yet? No. Because I, I recently read something about UGA, some of the, the University of Georgia schools Mm -hmm. um they're gonna go to pure online for the rest of the semester Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I guess that hasn't happened with high schools yet
1: yeah I I honestly I will be shocked if that happens for Yeah. yeah I think I think Gwinnett too they are very uh what's like very Slow to do that. There, I see. Yeah, yeah.
0: Gotcha. So, so then, can you give give us a a few examples of besides suicidal thoughts and because I'm asking the question, what other crises are there? Because when I was in high school, we actually in my English class, uh, one of our classmates was killed in a drunk driving accident.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: She was not drunk, but a drunk driver hit her. Mm-hmm. And I remember uh, that whole that next week, the teacher saying, whoever needs to go talk to the counselor, please feel free whenever you want to go talk to the counselor. Mm-hmm. So ha- have you had situations like that that you've had to deal with mm-hmm. as, a, as a counselor? And what other types of kind of crises um, are there? Yes.
1: Yeah, so, um, so this is my... Third year as a school counselor, mm-hmm. and my first year um, in the school building, um, we had um, four student deaths, and wow. and so one was you know a separate situation, and then the other was um, they they all died in a car accident and wow. the, yeah, it was, and, and, you know, the students were very involved, um, mm. in school. And so, so in those types of situations, so that's something that like would require outside re- or Yeah. Outside resources. So, mm. um, in Gwinnett County, there are teams of school counselors. So they're all um, counselors in the county, but um, you can choose to join this team called the emergency response team. Um, We call Mm. them ERT teams. And so when a school, you know, faces a larger crisis where it will affect the, the school, the entire school, Um, Mm -hmm. they will call out these teams to come support schools. And so Mm. um, each team is made up, I think of like seven or eight counselors. And so like for our situation, I think we called out three teams at once. And so um, they are called out so that the counselors that work at that school can take care, still, still take care of like the daily school stuff um, while these teams take care of the students who are, and teachers who are really affected by what's happened. And Mm. so, um, yeah, we were like in the media center, stationed in the media center and um, the teams were, you know, meeting with students um, and then also, you know, having to go into the students' classes to um, communicate with the classes, you know, what had happened. And so, yeah, like not just that, but also, I think my second year there, we had a teacher death as well. And so, oh, wow. Yeah. And so, um, usually, like, a counselor from that school will go with someone. From the emergency response team to each one of their classes to um, yeah communicate with the students of that class um, you know what has happened and mm. so yeah and um, other types of crises I think I mean, not that it's ever happened to me, but I think with mm-hmm. everything that's happened in terms of, you know, school shootings, um, oh, right. yeah, like that's been another thing. I think that some, um, students have been feeling um, anxious about mm. and, um, you know, I will say even in just like the last year, um, the The number of students who talk to me about anxiety has dramatically increased. Like even when I wow. first started, I don't think I don't think I heard the term anxious or you know anxiety as as much as I have. Um, and so. Yeah, and just, yeah, like, other crises, ex- examples of crises are um, um, abuse, so sexual abuse, mm. um, you know, verbal abuse, physical abuse um, that students experience. Um, and I will say a lot of times, I think what I struggled with in the beginning is I felt so helpless, um, you know, mm. students are sharing <clears throat> these things that have either happened in the past or going on currently. <clears throat> and yeah, like, I, I felt like, so helpless, like, I don't know what I can do for you. And I think mm-hmm. that's, that's, I guess, my own struggle with school counseling is because, you know, we are not, um, yeah, we're not therapists. We're not right. meeting with students regularly for, you know, like hour sessions. We're more of kind of the bridge for um, students and families to those resources. Um, but I think mm. that's something that I really do struggle with because I feel like, you know, I need to do something more. And um, sometimes, like, I don't know, you know, how to help student or a family and so yeah wow. I struggle a lot <laughs> yeah yeah
0: no I mean but th- that's a good thing the, the fact that you struggle because I'm sure there are a lot of people a lot of counselors out there if you know they're jaded enough they can not even care right um, what a student is going through and they're only there to just kind of do their job so no I think I commend you for struggling with that because that's, that means that you still care.
1: I will say, I, I think I've experienced a lot of different phases of that. Like, I think when I first (laughs) entered the profession, I, I took it home with me every day. Like I, at night, I would lay in bed and I would worry about my students and, um Mm. I was in even during like like over the weekend I'd be like I hope my student doesn't die and Mm. it was so much that I I would have dreams about them I'd have nightmares it was there was no separation for me and I think it got to be so much that I did kind of flip to where I did I did feel almost nothing when students would share um mm. these like really deep, you know, struggles that they're experiencing with me because I I didn't know how to separate. And so I think I flipped to the other side of like being so hardened. Um and yeah, it was it was really hard for me.
0: Mm. Do you feel like you have a healthier balance now, or or is is that something that you still kind of struggle with?
1: Yeah, I think in this past year, so um, throughout 2019, and um, yeah, I think I've, I mean, I think it's it's obvious, but I've had Hmm. to come to terms with like, yeah, I cannot... I cannot save, like, these students, and I can't just, right. like, you know what I mean? And, um, yeah, yeah. And, yeah I, I have had to kind of, like, draw the boundary of, like, I'm not going to take homework with me, um, mm. and over the weekends, like, I'm not going to think about it because um, I just can't, <laughs> and right. yeah. and so, yeah, I, I do think, um I have found a healthier balance, but I'm still figuring out, yeah, what that looks like. and um, I think, okay, I think what's helped me this year, though, is I actually started um, going to counseling for myself.
0: and
1: oh, okay. i've I think being on the other side of it mm-hmm. um has helped me to empathize even more with my students and mm. um yeah I think it's helped me to be better in my profession
0: do you do you feel like that's something that all counselors should do
1: yes so in my graduate mm. program they actually I mean obviously they couldn't like make us go but they highly mm. highly encouraged us to um, seek counseling on our own. Um, because yeah, it mm-hmm. it it does help. And even in my graduate program, we had to, so we took a class called group counseling. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had to also be in a group counseling session with some of our classmates with a facilitator. And so cool. that also helped me so much in yeah understanding like what it feels like to be on the other side um
0: mm. yeah so as a counselor like like you were saying you're not a therapist right so right. how do you kind of draw the line between this is something this is a situation i can handle mm-hmm. versus okay i need to refer the student to a different like actual therapist
1: yeah um So if it's any of the situations that I mentioned in, so if a student has suicidal ideations, any type of abuse, Mm -hmm. um, so those things, we highly encourage um, families to take students to see a therapist. Um, Mm. And then, you know, if it's, if it's, a student who has experienced um, any kind of trauma. So like a close family member, friend, um, someone dying. We also encourage, um, you know, families. We, we talk to parents all the time and recommending counseling. Um, and we are very clear with students and parents. And we say that, hey, like we, we are not therapists. And so, and, mm. and it's just logistically in the school day, it's impossible to do that. And, as, you know, right. if, if they're in our office, they're not in their classes. And so, um, you know, we explain that to families and, and families will ask us to about counseling resources. Um, if families are going through some sort of transition, so um, they've moved you know, to Georgia, and the student knows no one is like feeling really isolated, they'll ask or if um, parents are, you know, recently divorced or going through a divorce, and their child is just having a really, really hard time. um, They'll ask for resources as well.
0: Hmm. Oh, wow. So then, I'm assuming that you studied to become a counselor, right? Yes it was was it a bachelor program or was it it
1: was a it was a graduate program so okay. we, yeah we do have to have our master's in professional mm-hmm. school counseling um it's a two-year program man that was, it, rough. <laughs> yeah. was rough
0: so what kind of classes are you taking that it sounds like you would have to take a lot of like psychology and account. Like, Well, yeah, psychology classes, right?
1: So, yeah, so I I, I did my undergrad in psychology and sociology, and, you know, like, you kind of think, okay, so I kind of thought I knew, like, what school counseling was going to be like. You know, I applied for my graduate program, and I was like, oh, you know, like, how difficult like, is it really, you know? Right. So, uh-huh. so our first summer, oh man, it was so difficult. But anyways, our, we, mm. we started off with um, actually the history of the profession itself um, mm-hmm. and then how it's evolved over time. Um, and then we studied like brain development, child development. Um, we took, We took classes on helping skills. Um, the DSM, so like diagnoses, just to like have mm. an idea, but obviously like we don't diagnose anyone. Um, right. we had to take a lot of classes on, um, being like, I guess like cross-cultural counseling. So we incorporated a lot of, um, like studying on diversity and how to navigate that and how different cultures view um, you know like verbal or nonverbal communication differently mm, we yeah. had a study about we had to take a specific class on uh, special education and um, supporting students who have disabilities and so mm. yeah it was I will say year one was a lot of information year two was a a lot more like experiential
0: oh and it's a two-year program
1: yes it was a two-year program like we started in the summer and then ended um yeah in may and i think oh man like i uh, we would have to record counseling sessions with students at our site Mm. And we would have to play them in front of our class to get oh. critiqued. <laughs> oh wow. And that was that was horrible. That was so horrible. <laughs> wow. Well, so
0: the, the interesting thing that you just mentioned is cross-cultural counseling, right? So yes. do you feel like you you have an advantage as an Asian American to kind of handle or deal with Things that your Asian American students are going through uh
1: I think so and I hope so um mm. I think so my current school we mm. are about 70% Hispanic and mm-hmm. maybe like 10% Asian when I interned uh my internship was at Peachtree Ridge. And so Mm. obviously a greater number of Asian students. And Mm -hmm. I think, I think just the presence and like meeting with someone who looks like you, it Mm. it changes the dynamics. I think there's just kind of like, you know, like an unspoken understanding of, you know, our culture. But at the same yeah. time, I really did and and my supervisor really um, helped me in this, but also not putting my own experiences or like what I think you know they're they're feeling onto them just because we're both like uh, Korean American so um, right. yeah, but I do think it is helpful,
0: yeah hmm. and do you see a lot of other Asian-American counselors in your like in, in the high schools that you're you're at? Or because, yeah, for me, at least optically speaking, um, you actually might be the very first Asian-American high school counselor I've ever heard of. Um, so would you say that it's rare or am I just not well informed?
1: We're definitely underrepresented. Um, Mm. So at least in Gwinnett County, we have county meetings throughout the year where all of the school counselors in the entire building are, you know, in one space. Sorry, in the entire county are in one space. And I think Asian American counselors, probably like five or less, Maybe like, wow. I think three or four for sure, but mm-hmm. I'm just saying five because there might be some that I don't know. Mm. <laughs> yeah, um, my, and that's my surprising. Super, yeah, my supervisor, he was Korean American, and I mm-hmm. think that's why they they paired me with him. <laughs> but uh... um, yeah, he he moved to school uh, to be a school social worker, so he's not a counselor anymore.
0: I see. And that's kind of surprising because there's a fair bit of Asian American students within the Gwinnett yes. system, right? Yes. Wow. So I, yeah, it's, I'm glad that you're doing what you're doing because like you were saying, especially for, cause you are really kind of the frontline first point of contact for a lot of these students going through things that they don't know how to handle, right? Mm-hmm. And when it is with someone of similar background and culture, it, it is inevitably easier to open up, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's kind of sad to hear that um, there are so few of you guys within Gwinnett, but also encouraging because, uh, like I said, when I was in high school, I knew of zero you know, Asian-American mm-hmm. counselors. Wow. Yeah. And that's, um, so sorry. Mm-hmm, go ahead.
1: Oh, and I was just going to say that's something that was important for me, even when I was mm-hmm. looking for someone, you know, for myself. Um, mm-hmm. I, I did want someone who was Asian American because I think, yeah, I, there are just some things that I feel like are very hard to explain. Um, yeah. but I think, yeah, so that was something that was important to me personally.
0: Yeah, this is kind of a funny example, but you know that show, uh, Kim's Con- Convenience? Yes. Um, I, I remember seeing a commercial where the brother is trying to explain what a dongjim is. <laughs> um, and it's it's like for us as Koreans, it's such a innocent child activity. But when you have to describe <laughs> oh, it to someone... Yeah. It sounds so wrong, right? So I'm okay. not going to do it here. Um, for for those of you guys who don't know what the dongjim is, just you know, oh,
1: don't worry no. about
0: it. But it sounds so bad <laughs> if, if I were to explain it.
1: Um, oh, my. That so also it... reminds me, though, of, like, you know, when you go into Korean restaurants and mm-hmm. you read in English the description of what the menu item is, it just sounds <laughs> oh, right. so right not good yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> especially at like a sushi place like live octopus yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah um uh, so but uh what one thing we talked about early on the podcast is i mean you were part of a small group at your church mm-hmm. um so you obviously you're a christian mm-hmm. um as a christian are there rules that you kind of have to follow as a public school counselor like certain things you're not allowed to talk about or anything like that?
1: Yes. So, um, so actually when I was in graduate school, obviously Mm -hmm. we're in training and so they are a lot more strict, I think in terms of what they tell us. Um, Mm. And so I hope I don't get in trouble for this. I hope none of my professors are listening, but so yeah, they like talking about yourself in general, mm-hmm. when meeting with students was like a big no, no, like you don't talk about yourself oh, because no. it's all about the student. Um, hmm. You only share things if it's something that might, you know, like make the student feel like they're not alone or like, wow, like someone else has experienced this, but you don't share just to share, and and yeah, like your values and beliefs, especially like, are things that you mm. do not share with students. And um, yeah, obviously too in the, you know, in the in the school, you don't, it's it's looked, it's frowned upon, I guess. And so mm. um, I honestly don't know if if they're written down policies, but I think maybe like best practice or like ethically you shouldn't do that. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah it's it's difficult and I will say Whoops. for myself um mm-hmm. so as a Christian um so after students graduate you know there are students who you know, reach out and they like, want to come visit you and things like that. And so Mm -hmm. um, if students ask me first, though, I'm very open to sharing with them. So I Mm. will not say to a student first, like, man, you know, like, I'm a Christian, and I really believe the answer is, you know, that Jesus really loves you. But sometimes students will ask me like, miss doe like do you go to church and i'll answer mm-hmm. i'll say yeah i do and so when a student asks me um uh, i mean there are certain things that i'll be like you know i don't want to share like i don't feel comfortable sharing with you um mm-hmm. but in those types of things like i'm pretty open when students ask me
0: i see yeah so as long as they're the ones asking you about it or initiating that part of the conversation Mm -hmm. you're allowed to at least talk about your personal like experiences and things like that Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I see so if the situation was that a student was having trouble with I don't know maybe a student was talking to you about a friend at church Mm -hmm, or mm -hmm. something that happened at a Korean American church then then you're allowed to say hey listen like I go to a Korean American church as well I kind of know the struggles and all that Like, in those settings, it's okay.
1: It's probably still not encouraged.
0: Oh, I see.
1: So, like, even because I've Mm. had a lot of situations, actually, where um, students are very open about, um, you know, their face. And actually, that has happened to me, what you just explained, like, where students struggle with... Um, things that are going on at church or like peers that are going, uh, peers that go to their church and things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And I would treat it like it's just another situation with another student. And I won't, in those situations, I wouldn't disclose that I go to church and that, you know, I understand, you know, sometimes at church, it can be, yeah. I I Mm. might say like, Like, I might say, like, yeah, I, I understand, you know, that there are a lot of different dynamics when it comes to church, but I don't think I would say, like, I I don't know if that makes sense. I don't think that was very yeah. clear, but.
0: No, yeah. no, 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 I get it. I get it. So mm-hmm. e- even when it is an opportunity for you to mention that you go to church, mm-hmm. you still have to be careful. Um, There are still, it is still kind of frowned upon.
1: Yeah, but I will say I mean. too, when I was an intern at Peachtree Ridge,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I would see like students in the community all the time, you know, I still see, right. I I mean, I still see students that when I was a counseling intern, um, I still see them at, you know, in the community and like even at our retreats, I see them and I'm like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, hey. Like
0: And uh-huh. some of them still call me Miss Doe,
1: and I think it's
0: so funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. And, yeah. Yeah, so I see. So that, that must be difficult to, I mean, is it difficult to navigate kind of, cause it almost sounds like you're having to disassociate your Christian identity temporarily while you're at work. Is that right? i mean i mean does it feel that way
1: um i think i think right after grad school Mm -hmm. i was really scared to like not even just about my faith but to share with students anything uh to do with my personal life outside of work Mm -hmm. because Mm. um it was so frowned upon in in when we were in Mm. grad school and you know at the end of the day it they for them they were trying to get the message across that we don't want our values to um make students feel like their values are wrong because they're different from ours um right like i had a professor even say like you know we shouldn't have pictures of like our families or like our spouses or whoever in our offices because you know like like what if there was a student in your office um, having a really th- hard time with you know his or her parents who had just gotten divorced and you have a picture of your like happy family you know so just things oh, like that wow. they were very they were so strict on things like that that i think mm. i got so scared i'm like oh my gosh i need to do a good job I don't ever want students to feel that way, um, yeah. but there's still a lot of, I think, avenues for um, me to yeah be who I am and um, uh-huh. at work. And so not just with students, but I think like with my coworkers um, uh-huh. and students who have graduated so I actually met up mm. with one of um, my students who graduated and is in college now. And she was really going through a hard time of, you know, the change and the transition from high school to college. And she asked mm. me, you know, for advice, or she even asked me, like, you know, how did I adjust to college? And I was so transparent with her. And I, I talked to her about my campus ministry that I joined Um, when I was at UGA and she like had no, like, she'd never been to church in her life. And like, she was like, Oh, maybe I can like check one out because she just wanted to feel, you know, belonging. And so I think there's definitely, um, avenues to, you know, share my faith. And at the end of the day, it's just sharing like who I am with my students. And I think, I really was scared to do that in the beginning, but I realized that you know the students are also really curious about who we are, you know, and um, mm. they they just want to know and um, and I think sharing with them too makes them feel more connected to us right yeah,
0: yeah. wow that's that's really encouraging. Yeah. Um, yeah, that it's actually really encouraging that you care enough about the students to continue talking to them even after they graduate, because it would be so easy for you to just say, "Well, I'm not your counselor anymore; therefore, you're not my problem," right? Mm-hmm. But but the fact that you still yeah we genuinely care about them that's so awesome.
1: Yeah, I really I really love them, and um <laughs> yeah it's it's only, I mean, it's only possible, honestly, um, through the heart of God, because, Mm. you know, like I shared too, like there were times like in my profession where I absolutely did not care um, because my heart Mm. had been so hardened. And so, Mm. um, yeah, but I I really do love them a lot.
0: Wow. Well, you know, I'm so glad we had this conversation um, because like I was saying, it is such an underrepresented field for Asian Americans. And uh, as you know, I I feel like the bulk of my listeners are Asian American Christians. Mm -hmm. So it's just interesting to hear in such a strict work environment, because I would say that the public education is one of those places where you know, talking about yourself, your your religious uh, outlook is very frowned upon, right? So, just to hear, just to be able to hear both the those sides from you, has been super insightful and super interesting. So, thank you so much for for yeah, thank you so much for sharing today. Of
1: course, I if there's anyone who's like even kind of thinking about it or like has a heart for education. Yeah, maybe you can consider school counseling.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, and would you be okay to uh, fielding any questions from listeners if they have? Definitely, any?
1: and like, if someone wants to even like come and like shadow me and like see what I do, um, I'm open to wow. that too. Because, um, yeah, that's. I'm just thankful for the people um, who were so open with me. Um, and allowed me to come and, you know, like shadow them and ask them whatever questions that I had. Um, they really helped me. And so i'm I'm super open, yeah, if they want to do that.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, so final question. Uh, what do you feel like students these days? What, what do you feel like is the biggest challenge for them? or one of you know the whatever, the biggest obstacle they're going through in life?
1: Um, So also remember that my student population is different, but Mm -hmm, I'd say for my students, the biggest thing is, and maybe it's everywhere, is just the lack of connection and, mm. um, and I think an obstacle is the need for instant gratification. So I ha- where we see that the most is um, students are not really have a hard time problem solving. Um, so like if they have an issue, and even if, even if they could just simply look it up, they have a really hard time with that and they need someone to like, tell them what to do. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think just, you know, there are so many resources out there, but I think taking the steps to actually do that um, is really challenging for our students. Um, and mm. yeah, and I, and like I said, I think just um, connection. And with that, I think, Communicating has in in real life is something that um, students find to be very scary because um, hmm. even my seniors, so like they're I mean they're 18 years old, even students who are like top of their class, um, when they have an issue with you know like let's just say a college or like College Board or something, and they need to make a phone call they get really scared to make that phone call because hmm. they don't know what to say and so i literally coach them on how they start a conversation um wow. yeah so i think i think that's something that i I'm, I'm seeing a lot
0: hmm. so pretty much the social media is is the enemy here right
1: I wonder maybe I don't know
0: Hmm. yeah because because even with the whole instant gratification thing it's because social media Mm -hmm. has trained us to be able to immediately look up how other people are doing Mm -hmm. um, what's happening around us and things like that Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. Well, that's that's very interesting and you also mentioned the anxiety earlier
1: as well right anxiety and i think the term depression which okay we we don't have to get into but yeah i think just the overuse of the mm. term sometimes um oh. is 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 something that i'm seeing um because right the, i think the term let's just say like i'm depressed or depression it it's a little bit heavier than i'm really upset or i'm really sad Um, and so I think sometimes students way of, they're, they're trying to explain how intensely they're, they're feeling these feelings. But I think when, when students label it as being depressed, it almost Mm -hmm. excuses them from having to deal with it. Um, Hmm. And so I think that's something that we're seeing a lot of as well.
0: Wow. Yeah. I see. So because they're able to place the label depression, they can just think, oh, this is just, a you know, chemical imbalance in my head
1: mm-hmm, now," mm-hmm. instead
0: of actually dealing with, um, just situation.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I see. Wow. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Oh, uh, well, um, yeah. I would love to keep talking, um, but maybe we can do a part two, because that's it's uh, really interesting stuff. Um, just hearing about what this generation of high schoolers are going through, mm-hmm. especially for me because I'm so i'm 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 thirty two. I've been graduated from uh, high schools for fourteen years. So I, last time I was in high school was fourteen years ago. so it it just sounds like the landscape has changed so much. Mm-hmm. But um, Diana, once again, thank you for being on. Um, thank you for being my first guest to do this remotely. Um, and for the listeners, thank you guys so much for bearing with us. Um, I'm sure the sound quality um, isn't as good as it would have been if we were in person. And also Diana, it's, it was weird doing this because I feel like what we talked about in the beginning of the podcast is so true. The The social cues, like in the body language, they contribute so much to communication. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of weird doing this, not being able to see your face. Mm-hmm. Um, but thank you so much for uh, yeah, this great conversation because it was really interesting and it was really fun.
1: Yeah, thank you so um, much for having me. And um, yeah, it was really fun. And yeah, thanks for doing this podcast. It's it's yeah. been really yeah, good for me personally.
0: Oh wow, that's awesome! So, so listeners, if uh, if you wanna, if you resonated with anything that Diana talked about today, or if you wanna take uh, her up on her offer to talk to you about possibly going into the field of uh, student teacher, wait, what's the term? Student counselor? Is that right?
1: Uh, school counseling.
0: School counseling. Yes, yeah, sorry, <laughs> school counseling. Um, feel free to send me a message at IHTHT podcast. That's I hope they hear this, uh, abbreviated podcast at gmail.com, or comment on Instagram at I hope they hear this, or on Twitter at IHTHT podcast. And anything you address to Diana, I will make sure she receives. Um, so you, you can connect with her that way. Um, and yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. I hope everyone is remaining safe out there. and. Yes, let's all practice social distancing. Uh, Once again, thank you guys for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye.